Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. After party 62. Bum, bum, bum. The ultimate cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah, just really a rude cliffhanger. <laughs> the one with a rude cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, unless we wanted to make that a super long two-parter, which I'm sure the audience wouldn't have minded, but would have been difficult to squeeze in. Mm. That being said, this is not a uh, the one with. This is after party 62, following our uh, episodes 184, 185, and 186 of the Mummy's Mask podcast on the steady march to episode 200. Oh, it's getting close. A scant 14 episodes away. Wow. That is really close, actually. Yeah, when you put it in those numbers. <laughs> also creeping our way up towards uh, After Party 64, which will be two from now, which will release on our four-year anniversary for the podcast. So we've got that to look forward to. Oh, wow. wow. Really? I didn't realize we were so close to the four-year mark. Although yep. time is meaningless. In time the is meaningless in. at this point. <laughs> is it? I mean, I feel like time still has a purpose. I mean, Hollis now has the ability to tell time to sit down and shut up for six seconds. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. for six seconds. And it didn't matter anyway. I know. Oh, that, well. was, that was disappointing. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, so let's go ahead and start we with are. the recap, shall we? Because it was a big moment. It was a big moment. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll tackle that heavy thing once we get there. Because, I mean, really, 184 was the doorkeepers continuing their conversation with Nahamra after the big reveal of the... The curse that has affected the Nahamra line for a not quite a thousand generations yet, because you guys are probably only like maybe a hundred generations into it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Great, great, whatever. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> in the past was awful. Uh, yes, that that it pretty much sums up the entire Nahamra saga is everybody was awful. Except one kid who died really early. Yeah. and <laughs> Only the good die young. <laughs> maybe some people we don't know in the story. But yeah, Nahamra took Citra to the side, kind of explained the, uh, this is this is how I mess things up. And it's going to be up to you to fix that. Thanks, granddaughter. And gave her a ethereal pat on the back. Yeah. World's worst pep talk. <laughs> Went back to drinking out of his world's worst grandpa mug. I mean, at the least <laughs> there is a way to break the curse. It's true. So that's something. And it happens to be what we're already planning on doing. There's exactly. just some details of it that now have to be changed. Like Citra has to actually put the mask on, and you know. Well, not not she puts the mask on. She has to or, put sorry, it back put onto. It, yeah, you have to put it on the, the body. Yeah. Yes, shove it on Hakatep's face. That's eventually yeah. the plan. And then Masika did some vision spells and identified the two neat jars that you found whenever you'd retrieved the Pharaoh's key, and found out that somebody apparently was a really good alchemist. Yep. He's in the pyramid. Yep, yep. He's in the pyramid, of course. Yeah, of course. Everybody's of course. in the pyramid. You get a spot Everybody's... in the pyramid, and you get a spot in the pyramid. It's basically like the climactic, like finale of, uh, you know, a series where they bring in all the characters, and you're just like, <laughs> yep. we got it. We got to include this character and 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 this character. There's an alchemist there, so you know, it's gonna end with an explosion, sky mm. full of smoke, fireworks in the sky. Yeah. It'll be exciting. Yeah, that yep. is mm. the hope. Yep. Although Nahamra also uh, took a moment to kind of chat with Masika as well. I have like 20 seconds before there's there's bad things. Like you've, you've got a couple of seconds if Citra goes down. Yep. So make that count. Again, important <laughs> details. Yeah. And then after that, all of you set off. You made your way to Tefnaju's Bastion, where you attempted to scry. But unfortunately, you're attempting to scry an arcane spellcaster, which means he has a really good will save. And the save DC for the scrying effect of a magic item is set at 16. Oof. Yep. So, yeah. 
It works I don't great think, on like, common I don't... people, not so great on, you know, people with actual arcane power or divine power. Yeah. I think Masika literally couldn't fail that. No, I mean, her saves an 18 before she even rolls. Yeah. And following that, of course, the big uh, big event in episode 185 was your second fight against Sinsurit the Tribeater, which went substantially smoother than your first fight against Sinsurit the Tribeater. Yes. It's yep. like if you prepare for something, you're you're prepared for it. Yep. Well, yeah. and we, we also really... dispelled the sandstorm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which also yeah, helped. but we we very rarely get to to show like if the if the party actually gets a chance to prepare like just how devastating most parties can be, if you have the time to prep and like get the drop on something kind of like we mm-hmm. did, versus like how it normally is, is like oh you walk into this room and a guy jumps out and attacks you. So you don't get to prep as much because, like, we had stone skins and and blurs and mirror image and all this other stuff, run, you know, running to just make yep. it very difficult to hit us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, as far as fighting this thing is concerned, you did have the aerial superiority advantage. Yep, that I helped. I was curious on how that would all end up, and it didn't spiral the way I expected it to be, which is basically because he's permanently hasted now. He could just run 240 feet at a time away from you while regenerating his hit points every single round until he eventually just come back and try to ambush you later once he's outpaced you because he never tires which (laughs) was my eventual plan but fortunately a rogue in a proper position getting sneak attack is the equivalent of failing to disintegrate saves in a row which just an obscene amount of damage yep so yeah rogues pretty much go from I can uh, poke you lightly to I can skewer you and there's yep. not a whole lot of in-between. Well, in terms of like just raw <laughs> damage output, a properly positioned rogue, I feel like it's probably, like especially two-weapon fighting is like the most deadly thing in the game. Yeah, if you can get your accuracy up high enough, it does more damage than pretty much almost anything else in the game. Well, because like most of the, like the most damaging spells that, that are available right now are going to do like 15d6. Um, yeah. And I mean, you do two hits at 8d6 and you're doing more damage. And they don't get to reflex for half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no reflex reflex save. It's just just whether or not you can get through their AC. And, of course, with uh, Unchained Rogues being able to go, well, I hit you once with my first attack, and now your AC is six lower. So, technically, my (laughs) second attack is actually more accurate than my first stab. It's because the blood's coming out, so you know where to stab next. Plug (laughs) the hole. It's like a guy. That's that's the rogue rule. You just plug the hole. (laughs) Plug the hole. (laughs) But, yeah, you successfully defeated Sincert. Well, and then we thought it would be real easy. We'd just go get the little piece of a shard, and then we'd do a spell the next morning, and that's not what happened. No, that's not yeah. what happened at all. So, yeah, I suppose getting to uh, getting to the next point, the, the reason everyone tuned in. Well, I imagine you all tuned in just to kind of catch up with us in general, but part of the reason you tuned in, you then made your way back to the Monument Vault in episode 186 to go and retrieve mm-hmm. a piece, of, a fragment, so that Masika could use the fancy new locate, locate creature. Uh, something like that, I think. Upon arriving, however, you'd seen signs that uh, something was amiss. This this creeping frost, this odd shadow effect, this weird whispering sound that pervaded the entirety of the place. So as taking the cues from all these haunting things, you'd made your way back to the the chamber of the Secrophiers, wherein you had met with Tinonef, the, the ancient Mafrey, who had uh, greeted all of you by name. Yes, yeah. Because he had contacted other planes. A little, a little yeah. light divination. And a I think light he's a divination. sorcerer, which means he just has that. Wild. Who knows? Not a bad one. 
He is, in I, fact, I a sorcerer. Say, but. I will say incorporeal things are always kind of a pain to fight. Playing inc Fighting against incorporeal wizards is the worst. <laughs> my ghosts yeah. will be both vengeful and retain all my spellcasting. Especially because it's like, oh, I have time to prepare all of my buff spells and I can just disappear every other round. Yeah, pew, yeah. pew, go into the ground. Coward. I mean, it's good tactics, but I hate it. I know, <laughs> it's exactly what I would do. It's exactly what I would do if I could, <laughs> yeah. As I did mention in that episode, I do appreciate the fact that they gave him, uh, I think, four crafting feats, which he has no use to. Well, he but, would have to have had them when he made his... Yeah. all of his shenanigans before it makes sense for the character but at the same time it's that purposefully deciding that this is correct for the character even though this is a useless feat for a character for this specific character now that he's undead so i appreciate yeah, when they i don't commit. know if he knew he was going to become undead so no i was more complimenting the author for committing to it yeah. than anything else yeah because like it's very tempting to just be like oh those are wasted feats i don't need to give that i'll give him like you know spell penetration or whatever you know no, I, th I think his plan was to become an immortal bug. So, okay, so the way that this is set up, did we actually release this ghost by doing the whole uh, jar thing? Or is this like, well, he was already around kind of things and you just put it in to kind of make it feel like it was related to the jar? No, in fact, he was released. Oh, great. So if the, the jar is disturbed, broken, or anything else like that, it's his spirit is released. The insect will immediately attempt to kind of do its job at which point it gives him a uh, huge possession bonus an automatic check to possess whomever yep. consumed ah. it yeah okay at which point he goes aha I've possessed you well, and then he goes around and does like the whole possession thing hmm. alright the jar being destroyed frees him at uh, which point nuts. you know he turns into white smoke and then eventually manifests uh, an adjacent square as a newly formed ghost but if I had just put the jar in my bag would have been fine would have been fine. Well, but if you, you were planning on opening it, it eventually. <laughs> whenever you, whenever you open it, he would be free. It's funny because it's very similar to Jashura, actually. Is he performed the ritual and more or less uh, a little background information that you guys will probably never have access to? He basically tried to implant all of his learning, experience, personality into a specially prepared canopic jar. When he succeeded, it imprisoned his soul in the jar, transforming him into a trapped ghost. And when the other advisors realized what he'd done, they shook their heads, clucked their tongues, and then tossed his body away and put his soul in the shelf in the room to linger forever, or so they assumed. Oh, man. It's just another person for the rave party. <sighs> One of the other really neat things with him, you may have also noticed that he is just spellcasting. And it, again, it is much like Jashur, is he has no experience as a ghost. So, yeah, so yeah. he does have no experience as a ghost, so he doesn't realize yeah. he has corrupting touch or whatever, you know, abilities yeah, he his ghost form may have given him. Yeah, he knows that he can ethereally pass through things, but he hasn't made the connection with, like, all of the other things that he's capable of doing. Because, like, oh, okay, I'm a ghost now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also one of those things that's like, you know, you're here in a combat situation and you have specialized training, you're going to want to lean on that first versus whatever new thing you may have that you're not as confident in. Yeah. Also, this adventure is, like, obsessed with petrifying people. Loves it. Absolutely loves petrification. Yeah. It's, again, one of the themes. It's a real pain. Real pain theme. Mm-hmm. Except for me, because now I'm immune, apparently. Well, as the fight progressed, you eventually had to fight the other four uh, Kanakas, which honestly weren't much of a challenge for the party. Uh, they, would do a lot of, they were doing a lot of damage to me, oh, yeah. but, yeah, they didn't have a lot of hit points, so it wasn't as big a deal. Well, they've got a good AC, but you guys were rolling pretty well as far as Sudo is concerned, hitting them. 
Well, and then when we figured out the the lightning bit, that helped. And um, Masika was also doing her awesome sunbeam. Yeah, which yeah, was those sunbeams taken were cool. Care of. Yeah, yeah, which is why I was, you know, murdered. I was. It's it's that double edged yeah. sort of like having a really cool ability like that. Mm -hmm. Like, unfortunately, puts a big target on your back. Well, and it's not just that. As far as all of the everything being directed towards Hollis and Masika are concerned is because, one, he's a spellcaster and he's going to assume that the only other threats to him are spellcasters. That's how most spellcasters are. Because they tend to just be like, I'm an arrogant spellcaster. And on top of that, he had blur and mirror image. And he's a sorcerer, so push comes to shove. If you pop all of his mirror images, he'll just cast mirror image again. Yep. And so he spent most of his uh, attention on the people that could legitimately do damage to him. He's unaware that Citra has a really awesome uh, sneak attack thing. The, the problem is, is I feel like he is one of those creatures that's going to be like, as long as my Lord lives, my job isn't done or whatever. Or it could be, hey, he didn't perfect his bugs or whatever. Like there could be something like that that we'll never be able to actually do. There's there's no way I to know. know what his motivation is. It's true. I know. But <laughs> maybe you could divine it. Yeah, maybe. there might be some sort of divination mm, we can maybe. do or something. Yeah. And Hollis managed to... Avoid death, uh, well, not true death, but avoid petrification herself twice in a row. Oh, uh, rolling 223s, barely. which, by the way, was the save DC. Ooh. Oh, gosh. Ooh. Uh, unfortunately, following that, Masika did fail that, and then following being unpetrified, that oft-overlooked rule of uh, stone to flesh requiring a DC 15 fortitude save. I mean, I uh, had a better than a 50% chance. I just rolled poorly. What is your uh, save fortitude? Uh, nine. Yeah, so you just so needed to roll, had to roll a, a six. six. Yeah, so you had a... Dang it. Yeah, you had a 75% chance of success, but again, that's a, you know, one in four if you really think about it, so that's Well, and good, all it, all it takes is it's it's just two bad rolls in a row. That's all that took, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it could happen to anybody. So unfortunately, that does mean that at the end of that episode, Masika died, like capital D died, which means that all of you are still facing off against a ghost which has been... Injured, yeah, but just but injured, lightly injured, really. Well, yeah. a majority has actually been badly injured by that first sunbeam. Yeah. Oh, I guess but that's you've true. Now lost sunbeam. access to said sunbeam. Yep. So yeah, it's it's gonna be tricky, uh, and there may be a chance that we might just need to grab Masika and book it, but uh, hopefully we can maybe get another few hits off of it and at least put it to rest temporarily until we can maybe figure out what's keeping him awake. We have two days. Like, if Rick rolls low, we have two days. Yeah. Yeah. So it puts you back and on another timer again, which I do yeah. love a good timer. Uh, yeah, because the problem is also, like, I'm going to just assume that he's tied to this uh, specific area. We don't know that. Yeah, so we we have don't to know. Some ghosts aren't tied to a specific place. They can just Actually, go where... Uh, no ghosts are mechanically yeah. tied to a specific location. Oh, they aren't? Oh, I thought that no. was a mechanic. I think... Well, crud. Yeah, so the second, if we don't deal with him and figure out how to put him down, he's just going to be called down the pyramid. He's just going to right in and... Yeah. He's basically going to be the equivalent of the nemesis, just every once in a while showing uh, up. Just door keepers. <laughs> Either way, that's that's later steps. We got to we gotta either put him down for temporarily or we need to book it and get Masika up. Like, that's, that's yeah. the plan is get Masika up. <laughs> We did uh, breeze so. over one important thing from that episode also, which was, I think, uh, Narmer's third kill. Is that correct? A second, I, think I so. <laughs> Second I or think? third. Yeah, second, second or third. third. I thought it was second. 
But I thought he had a I thought he had another kill between the the rubble maker and now this Kalnaka. No, well, cause he, he, I think he got a cultist in book four. Yeah. Then the rubble maker, then this. So I think he's at So three. yeah, it might be three. Let us know in the comments, fans. I was going to say, somebody <laughs> probably knows. <laughs> yep. Narmer like opens his chest plate and puts a little scratch in there for like another, you know, another tick. <laughs> Not a lot of Narmer's abilities are gone right now. Oh no. Yeah. Because Masika's dead, so he's not technically a familiar anymore. Yeah. Aww. Oh, yeah. That's true. He does retain half the hit points that he used to have, but it actually does mean that Narmer now has half hit points and technically no longer gains the cover bonus from being <laughs> next to Masika, yeah. which she provides. Ew. So Narmer's now exposed also. Great. Well, we're we're going to take care of him. Like, it's not like we're just going to be like, you're on your own. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be wild. <laughs> Although technically we left off with uh, it being... Tinnanef's term next. Yes, I know. And whose fault was that? Yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens. Although now he doesn't have any, you know, big, scary, undead things to throw at us. The problem is he still has, what, like five mirror image or five images? He has images, but himself? he's got to be running out four. of those top level spells because he's already thrown like several. Those, ma well, those mention... magic missiles are fifth level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Depends on how how powerful of a sorcerer he was. Well, with a spell save DC of 23, I feel like I could do some math maybe, but I don't know. I mean, that's pretty powerful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my six level spell save is. Yeah. So as powerful of a spellcaster as Hollis, as far as the save DCs are concerned, although you haven't seen him cast anything like higher than like six level or so. But anyway, I suppose we'll have to to wait and find out. And then uh, yep, yep. again, hopefully Heather will not be uh, out of the recording for very long and we'll be able to, Masika will be able to jump back in. Well, thankfully we, we have options. Remains to be seen. Well, yeah, I, we knew this was going to be a bit of a pain because they're giving us so many resurrection items. So, yeah. So use up all of your healing now. So that brings us from, uh, from our recaps to our emails. What? Emails. Our first email comes in from Tom from Brooksville, Florida, just north of Tampa. Sodden lands Aww, it is. Oh, Florida. Yeah, I believe we went with uh, the Sodden lands previously. I think technically, actually, I think we went with like Sargova previously, but Sargova is not even a thing. And well, second edition, it's not. A well, thing. yeah, we're still in first edition. It's a thing. He could always be from Mindagati with the gobl goblin monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that feels like Florida. Sure. <laughs> kind of. All right. So, uh, Tom, our, uh, our Red Mantis assassin friend from Mindagati Island. They're not. They're, uh, that's yeah. where the base is. There's a city on that island. There's a port a city, city island, that are too. not technically controlled by the Red the Mantis assassins. Goblin, what's, what's the name of the Red Mantis headquarters, though? I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it's a temple of some sort. Headquarters is in uh, it's Elizabeth a giant basic temple. It's a temple to Akakek that also serves as their like training place. So, yeah. So Tom from Mindigati Island. Hey, Tom. What's up? Writes in and says, hey, gang. Hi. Hello. Meow. Started listening <laughs> to your podcast from episode five. Hmm. Wow. Oh, Long time okay. listener. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. First time caller. Like, thanks for powering through. Uh, yeah. Our, our, uh, actually, I think we had a pretty strong start, but uh, the audio wasn't as great as it is now. I was say, compared to the audio now, it's not nearly as good. <laughs> yep. I love the smooth interaction between Rick and the doorkeepers. Being a DM from original D&D &D to D&D &D 5 and GMing Pathfinder for only a few years, 
I've only seen a few awesome groups such as yours. Aww. Well, thank you. Maybe that's because I'm from Hickville, a.k.a. Brooksville, Florida, <laughs> just north of Tampa. <laughs> hey, I feel that way about Sherman sometimes, so I know yeah. what you mean. Texas yeah. has its own Hickvilles. We have mm. lots. A lot of them. Turl. Turl. Yeah, Turl. Oh, my <laughs> God. Turl. Or Scurry, which is also out there near Turl. It's true. Yep. <laughs> Tom goes on to say, Rick and I have a lot of similarities in running the game, such as, first... We're all here to play a game. It's just the game. Second, I'll play by the rules so that if there's any lawyering, it needs to be settled by an egg timer. Third, I use the honor system for the players when rolling, mainly because I can't see the rules anyway. Lastly, we should all have fun. Cool. Yeah. I say we're not quite egg timer uh, lawyering. No, I don't think we've ever done that. Yeah, we just yeah. self-manage. Every once in a while since we're doing the remote recording, I'll look at the timestamp and then look back and if the conversation's been kind of going back and forth for like three minutes, I'll be like, all right, let's 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 come up with a plan. But usually these guys are all over it, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we only get really rules lawyery when it's getting close to somebody dying, which, you know, in this case with Masika, there was no real, like, argument. No, there's no I didn't have any up. rules to lawyer. I know, I there were no rules to lawyer. lawyer. some how rules dare, real hard. How <laughs> dare Paizo have cut and dry rules for how uh, Stone to Flesh works? <laughs> and why are all the bring people back to life spells that we have access to without our friend Long? Yeah. There's a way to speed up time. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, if it up anyone else, uh, Masika could have breath of life them. I know. I know. Tom goes on to ask a question. Uh, he directs it directly towards me, but I think everyone can kind of chime in on this one. Question for Rick. Have you ever had the players take you off the path that you were not expecting? <laughs> that, is so, that is our only goal in life. I mean, And if so, how Jessica's long did it take you to thing. get them back on track? Yes. Uh, Jordan, uh, we're, this is the wrong show, but I feel like there was a situation in Hell's Rebels. I, there early may have definitely Rebels. been a very good example of this fairly early in Hell's Rebels by yours truly. Yeah, uh, I, I can't think of anything necessarily specific in Mummy's Mask other than... Some of it we don't know. Some, yeah, some of it maybe we don't know, but I feel like we probably got off script in Tefu. Like, I think we did. I don't know if we really did, but I feel like we did. Maybe a little. See, Jessica raises a very valid point there. My goal is that even if it goes off script, it should still feel like script. Mostly because if it goes off of the path that in a place that I wasn't expecting, yeah, it happens. There are a lot of times that it's, I'll sit down, I'll sit down for recording now. I sat down for this last recording for the previous episode and I went, okay, they're going back to Tefnaju's Bastion. And then suddenly like, well, no, we need to go straight to the Monument Vault. And I went, okay. It wasn't exactly where I was expecting them to go, but you just kind of roll with it. Usually, if it's something that is a sidetrack sidetrack, I try not to make it last too long, especially if it is only a few characters. So I've always adhered to the rule. I have four players. And so if for whatever reason, Jordan decides to go off and do some sort of crazy thing, it's just like, oh, OK, we're in town and everyone else is going to go and like actually do the plot. And I'm like, hey, we passed the, like a, a casino, so I'm going to go gamble and I'll go. OK, so 45 minutes with my three players and 15 minutes with this other one guy. Everyone gets their equal share of time. Hell's Rebels is a bit of an exception to that just because it got into a lot of mechanics and I couldn't just go quick hand wavy them of, okay, you guys are gambling and then you get back to the main plot. Yeah, I, I think it's also about like, it, are they doing something that is moving the plot forward? Then yes. you want to like role play that out and do, you know, do a scene with that and, and see where it goes. If it is exactly like that, I, I just want to go gamble. 
then you're not moving the plot forward at all, mm. especially if it's like, I'm not gambling all or nothing, right? I'm just like gambling, you know, a couple of platinum pieces or whatever at, at this level, that's not a lot. Um, then you're yeah. like, okay, make three rolls. You hit it big, you lose all your money, whatever. Let's go back to the main story. Yeah. Yeah. So more or less, um, the pulling them back on track is always something that's necessary, but if you can make it, I don't ever think that you have to wait that long. Like, or I actually don't even think you have to rush it to get them back on track. If they're still enjoying what's going on, then it can just still be part of the script. I do miss back in the day when I run four hour sessions and we didn't have the the mic checks and all the rest of that stuff. And it was just four hours of content that I felt like I got so much done. And even then, like I was comfortable with people getting off script because a lot of times at the game table, I would let people go on little diatribes and use that as an opportunity to go, okay, remind myself what is coming up next. Yeah. Yeah. So, those are my thoughts. Any other anecdotes from the rest of you? I mean, I've never really GM, so I don't know when we're, unless it's really obvious we're going completely off the rails. I just assume we're going vaguely in the right direction. Yeah. So. Basically, anything that was not the first meeting with Falto was kind of off the rails. The whole Falto, true, yeah. Falto getting mummies, mummy rot, and Sagira stealing the money, and like all the rest <laughs> of that. Like, that was a big spiraling thing that had nothing to do with the actual True. story although it did give me a chance to bring in uh Tetmanib a little bit more so it's always useful yeah. actually that's a good point if you're if the party does take you off the rails it's a good opportunity to kind of like introduce plot elements and foreshadow things that's because that gave me a chance to give Tetmanib yep. a little bit more focus yeah that's Tetmanib. especially true if you're doing an uh, like a sandbox scenario um mm -hmm. then it's always you know a good idea if they're if they're going in the wrong direction you can just be like you know either you find a, a note that gets him on the right thing or the guy that maybe he doesn't actually come in until this other place makes an appearance to kind of pull them back into the main line. But if you do it right, it never looks like, you know, they, they went off track. It just looks like, you know, oh, they were going the right way the whole time, right? Mm -hmm. So Tom sums this up with saying, I also love all of your characters. And I Aww, think that you all do you. a great job in playing out your characters really well. And whatever you do, Thanks. do not ask me to choose a favorite character because I can't. I love you all. Yeah, we wouldn't. Yay. Thank you. Uh, Tom also includes a fun little uh, anecdote here at the end, which he says, uh, P.S. Uh, being blind, I use several ways of dice rolling as well as bring up bringing my papers to the table since no one can read my Braille handwriting or my Braille writing. I think this is fantastic. I could show them the rules or the game and they can't make tells of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That is uh, a hidden a hidden use of uh, nope. <laughs> of being no able to write tails. in a language that nobody else can really easily understand. Yeah. Yep. Rad. So, thanks, Tom. Our second email here comes from Vicky. Hello. Vicky is moving from Osirian to the Mana Wastes. Oh, honey. <laughs> Hollis approves? <laughs> I love the Mana Wastes. I don't know, man. The Mana Wastes like are pretty mana waste. fun. Mana waste I think it's fun. been a little bit since we, uh, we've read a email because I, I know Vicky wrote into us a while back and Vicky actually included something uh, useful. We'll get to it in the email here. Yeah. Hello, FTP crew. Hello. 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 Vicky and family here again, sending you our greetings and thanks. Listening to y'all helps my workday go by faster and longer drives a breeze. Aww. I feel like there's so much to say about and yet I don't know where to start. We mm. no longer dream of grass as we are now in Texas. We have left our house on the Sphinx River in Osirian to come to greener <laughs> pastures. Literally. <laughs> I mean, Texas does get green grass. Yeah, it depends on where you are. It, yeah, mm -hmm. it depends on where you are. But be uh, just expect it to be brown. 
a lot no, of the time. No, it's just going to be weird. It's going to be hot and cold and yeah. a little yeah. bit like Katy Perry really song. confused <laughs> yeah. with the wild Texas yeah. weather. It, it's, it, it's yeah. like, it can literally be in the 60s or 70s, and then two days later, it'll be in the 30s. Like, that's Although, apparently, that's less do that in one day. Now. Yeah, it's, mm. that's Well, Texas. climate change. But, yeah. it, you know, it's like the phrase goes, and I know people all over the country say it, but I feel like Texas is more accurate than most, that if you don't like the weather, just wait five minutes. Vicky sure. goes on to say, speaking of books, as I believe that we were previously, mm. I wanted to include two of my favorite authors whose characters I go visit often, possibly as often as I turn on the pod. <laughs> David Eddings and his Bellergod series, as well as Elizabeth Moon and her Sheep Farmer's Daughter series. I don't think mm. that, that one has a series name. Her fantasy books are phenomenal. She mm. also wrote one that was called The Speed of Dark, which makes you feel all the feels. Oh, I do so like that So some title. fun literary suggestions there. Yes. Fun. So on to the main part of why I'm writing today. I do want to point out, since you have been placing people since after party 12 or so, you've been saying that you need to write it down. Well, now you have a list. Oh. As attached is a list of the after party locations. Interestingly enough, Vicky sent this at the same time that we received a similar one from Comma, which now I believe we that we two mentioned. Lists. Yeah. We, have so two. we have two lists. And we failed lists. And we failed to update either one of them. Okay, we, so. we failed to even reference them every single time we do this. Yeah, we just we're need like, somebody else to own we the need list, to up, okay? up, update the list, and then we don't. We, we, some, someone own the list, and, and that's not us, own the list, yeah. because we're bad <laughs> at, at lists. Hopefully I heard everyone and heard correctly and did not mess up too many spellings. I hope this helps. I was going to sort by place as well, and still might, but wanted to pass this on to y'all before sorting it further. Cool. Well, thank you, Vicky, and again, it's... Amazing. Anyone who wants to keep track of the of the lists. Yeah, <laughs> at us on Discord. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we, we, we unfortunately are bad at updating things. <laughs> well, you know, you're not really supposed to clicky-clacky yeah. while you're talking into the mic for recording time. That's that awesome. is yep. true. Yeah, so it was uh, it was incredibly, it was almost comedic because I think they both came in about three days apart. So, yeah, we mentioned <laughs> comma recently, but I uh, wanted to shout see, out to Vicky also for providing cool. these. I'm even bad about writing down everybody's casting choices when we do this. And so then when the AP comes out, I have to come li go and listen to the last part of it to remember, <laughs> you know, so, yep. yeah. This is a pen and paper game, but we are bad at writing. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of shifted away from pen and paper. I That's know, true. it's so sad. Vicky signs off with, hope y'all are well. Vicky and family now in the mana wastes. Right. Well, welcome to Texas, Vicky. Yes, yep. welcome. And thanks for the list. And moving forward, we have a third email. Oh, Ooh. this is from Dalton. He's Zed Jim on our Discord. Oh, hey. nice. Who comes from South Texas, which I think we generally just say is the Mana Wastes. Yep. But yep. I played some games with him. We going for Alkenstar, or uh, I don't think we ever put enough people in Duncan's Hold. I think you always suggest Duncan's Hold. I always we suggest Duncan's Hold. We may have placed him. Have we never placed him before? I, God, I feel like we hey, have. Hey, we just got a list. Well, let me check the list. <laughs> He's. Checking the list. If not, it can be Dongan's hold. It's really nice. Thanks, Vicky. And, and comma. also comma. Twice. <laughs> Twice. I don't know. I admit, I'd put another word there. <laughs> See, I don't know if it's the same Dalton that was from Dallas, Texas, that we placed during our after party for 148 through 150, which might be, which we placed an Alkenstar in the Mana Wastes. Okay. So, Alkenstar. If it is <laughs> yep. not, there's two of them, and they're both in the Alkenstar area, and that's chill. Yep. Yep, yep. yep. So, who knows? Alkenstar it is. Alkenstar it is. Dalton writes in, Hey, y'all. What's up, Hi! Howdy. I've been thinking about writing this email for a while now. 
especially with hearing other similar emails in the different after parties. I want to thank not just the FTP crew, but also the community surrounding these shows. It's a good community. It, it is. is a good community. Even before the most recent in real life adventure path, spoilers ahead, with the pandemic and how it's made life more difficult, I've always struggled with my mental health. Between unsupportive and neglectful parenting, bully, bullying all through school, and not even having any close friends until fifth grade, I'd always felt like an outsider. I've always yeah. found ways to cope, but never really got out of that mindset. I escaped by reading lots of fantasy, got into tabletops 3.5 in high school, and similar hobbies. Even then, the people outside of that small circle always made me feel like it was wasted time. But eventually, someone from my 5e group at the time suggested I try out actual play podcasts. I tried a couple, but none of them stuck. And then finally, I found the GCP and found out how good they could be. Pretty quickly, though, I needed more content as I was caught up to everything, and I came across a small podcast that was only maybe <laughs> 20 or so episodes in. Oh, you've been in for that Back long when we were haul. babies. Yeah. <laughs> that was like A-side, B-side territory. Yeah, I think right yeah. about that. Immediately, I was hooked, both from the amazing storytelling, the lovable characters, and overall amazing quality that met my arguably pretentious standards. <laughs> Thank you. I've loved every one of these shows, and they've managed to be a great distraction from stress on top of that. Then, once I got into the Discord and started spending time amongst the community, I found a place I felt welcome. Yay. Which only recently is becoming a more common thing for me. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, that's yeah. so that makes good. Me very happy. These shows and this community have been my inspiration to create my own actual play with content yeah. written entirely by myself and my players and cool. put time into just writing. It may not be a huge success, but I'm glad I'm making the attempt. So thank you, Find the Path crew and Path Folk for helping me find my path. Oh, yeah, you're so very welcome. Right very in the feels. welcome. Good people all around. Yeah. Critical hit straight to the heart. Yeah. <laughs> Max damage. Yeah, we have a phenomenal <laughs> community. I know Jess and, Jess and Jordan do a lot to support with the Discord, and we have great mods out there. Uh, and it's always great to hear from everyone on our Discord. I am not on there as much, but I'm always happy to hear that it's such a welcoming and open community. Hey, it's where I found out that I wasn't the only person in the world who liked Waterworld. That's true. There's like two dozen people on there that all said Waterworld was good. And we were like, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah, different yeah. for different yeah. folk. But it Find just shows path. how... <laughs> Find How inviting path. and wonderful our Discord community is. It is true. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, a note on the uh, on the you know starting your podcast and maybe it's not going to be successful or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we when we started our podcast, we didn't we didn't go into it going you know we're going to be super successful and we're going to do all this stuff. <laughs> we really were just kind of saying you know we 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 like playing together. We think people would like listening to us. Why don't we start recording some of our you know episodes and just see what happens. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that people are like, we really like the, you know, the, the Find the Path podcast because of, you know, X, Y, or Z reasons, just kind of how we were. So, like, lean into that and just be yourselves. And, like, I think that's mm -hmm. really what people love about, you know, mm -hmm. actual play podcasts or podcasts in general is, like, the people and connecting with the people and characters and, you know, all of that. And so, you know, do you. And... I think that's the best advice I can really give anybody when it comes to like trying to do yeah. this stuff. Cause I, we, we actually have a fair number of people that have started podcasts um, who are on our discord. Um, mm -hmm. And I think they'd probably yeah. tell you all the same thing. 
Yeah, none of us were prof are professionals. We're professional. I don't know. We're not professionals. It, yeah, it's really hard also because I still don't think I'm a professional, but yeah, you know, we have no. a Patreon We've been doing stuff, this almost so. four years, y'all. I hold you yeah. to professional standards, so <laughs> you are professional. <laughs> That's true. We are held to professional standards. I think I speak for all of us when I say that uh, we are firm believers in the rising tide lifts all ships. And mm -hmm. so the more yep. people creating content out there, the more people spreading the love of the game and actual plays in general is just better between, you know, us here, our friends over at uh, Hideous Laughter, who started, I think, just shortly after we did. Fantastic Worlds, mm -hmm. the folks over at Fantastic Worlds are great. And so, yeah, um, I wish you'd mentioned uh, your podcast name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He said, Jim, though, I recognize that name. I think... Uh, I think as a Dalton's a common commenter on our uh, our Discord. He, so. he is, yeah, and I've I've actually played a lot of video games with him, so. Oh, awesome! <laughs> We're friends. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't uh, I don't again I don't comment much on the Discord, but I'm always kind of I poke my head in there from time to time and see what's going on. So assume I'm always watching. Yep, <laughs> uh, st standard plug for our Discord. And make sure to drop uh, for anyone launching a podcast. I believe we have an advertisement channel. We yes. do an advertising channel. Indeed, we do. So go on there and uh, spread the love. And if you're listening to this and you're looking for a new one, maybe go over there and check that out and see what other people are doing. Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the uh, the end of our episode, which I believe is usually our casting. Indeed. Yeah. Yep. So I'm doing this this time, although I think considering that everything I just subjected Heather to, I wouldn't mind if, uh, if Heather wants to bounce me a D10. Yay. I don't have any dice out. Okay, well, I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick a number. Pick a number. Pick a number between one and ten. Seven. Duh. Seven. Best Final Fantasy. Okay. That's a good number. <laughs> not lucky number seven, but Final Fantasy seven. Just makes sense. You're surprised by that? No, I'm not surprised. I just, it was a very Heather reaction. <laughs> All right. Oh, this one's going to be interesting. Uh-oh. Mm. Today we're going to be casting Coral Rogarvia. Commonly known as Kral the Conqueror, the first king of Bravoy. Kral invaded the area that would become modern-day Bravoy in 4499, before he conquered the northern kingdom of Issa and worked out an agreement with Lord Nico Sertova at the edge of the Lake of Mists and Vels. The two men staked out a truce that was bound with the promise of Nico's daughter, Myrna Sertova, in marriage to Kral. In agreement, Issa's ruling house Sertova kept much of its power and wealth while they served as vassals under Kral's leadership. The Aldorish sword lords from southern Rosslyn, however, did not accede to the peace with Kral and were defeated by a pair of Kral's red dragon allies in the Valley of Fire. In less than a year, Kral had united the two nations under his banner as the new nation of Bravoy. Only the fortress of Skywatch continued to resist Kral's dominance. But even after this bastion of the Eldori fell a few years later, when Kral and his dragons arrived and burnt the castle to the ground. With this victory complete for 10 years, Kral led Bravoy from the Dragon Skell throne at the Ruby Fortress in New Svetvin. He spent most of the time amassing wealth and did little to unite the Eastons or Rosslanders, only leaving New Svetvin to harshly punish disloyal vassals. His people rarely saw him and viewed him as a remote, terrifying figure. In 4509, Kral and his Red Dragon allies disappeared, leaving his descendants to rule Bravoy for exactly 200 years from his conquest. Every member of the noble house disappeared in 4699, if they were indeed his descendants at all. It is not known where Kral went when he abandoned his throne, but rumors state that he disappeared into the depths of the Granzi forest. If such tales can be believed, he swore he would return when the time was right. All right, I suppose, uh, shall I start things off? I mean, it sure. is your prerogative. 
So looking at Crawl, we're talking very noble-esque, very powerful figure, more of in a kind of a manipulative sort of way, very much into, into playing this. So kind of just a, an overtly evil, tyrannical figure. As such, I'm going to go with Charles Dance. Hmm. Most people are okay. probably most familiar with him as Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones. Yeah, you've put him up before. I put him up before and sadly he didn't make it. Uh, he was also in Alien 3, which of course I'm a huge Alien fan. I believe he was, uh, I think he's in The Crown, which I've never seen. He's but I understand it's supposed to be pretty good. He does a lot of TV stuff. So I think he was in uh, Dracula Untold, which was the, <laughs> who was it that played uh, Dracula in that? Rachel? I, I haven't seen that. No, oh, I could have sworn we saw that because I thought you liked oh, that guy. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Luke Evans. Uh, Luke Evans, yeah. Was that what it was yeah. called? I thought it was just Dracula. It was Dracula Untold. Oh, well, shoot. Sorry. It was a crappy. It was a crappy movie name too. But anyway, I just—he's a great actor. He has this constant presence, this intimidation. I can imagine him easily riding on the back of a red dragon and being like, and then kill them all yeah. to anyone who stands against him. Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with good old Charles Dance. All right. I am going to go with Rufus Sewell. I think of him from A Knight's Tale. He's the bad guy in A Knight's Tale. Um, he's in other stuff, too, but he was such just an a-hole in A Knight's Tale. Yep. And so that's just stuck forever as, oh, you need a, a pompous, noble, you know, bad guy type fella. That guy. Hmm? Rufus yeah. Sewell. I, I like him. I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm just amused by how often a Knight's Tale comes up. I love movie. that like, movie. A, a lot, yeah. It's got It's like good three people. times in the last after party. <laughs> it's good stuff. I've good only people. ever seen it once. I think it was in theaters with my sister when it came out. And oh, I saw that movie the, so many did times. Did you say for the after credit scene? I, I cannot remember anything other I than... I remember that Heath Ledger is in that movie, and that's yeah. all I've got. I watched it recently <laughs> because I enjoy that you movie. You can see Paul Bettany's butt. A yeah, lot. Because <laughs> he's Chaucer. Clearly the best naked. part of the movie. <laughs> Jordan. All right. Uh, so I think Rick and I were channeling the same inspiration because when he when you mentioned he had like red dragon uh, allies and stuff, I was like, oh man, Game of Thrones. Uh, which immediately <laughs> made me think of Kit Harrington. So Kit Harrington. Okay. Kit Harrington. Yeah. yeah. Uh, All right. Sure. I mean, well well known for Game of Thrones, <laughs> was recently in uh, The Eternals. So he's in the Marvel verse now. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, not as a king or anything. Just I, he's a really good actor, so I think he could probably do like you know all that. To be fair, in that one, he is playing basically a descendant of uh, I can't remember. Uh, Heather might know this. Is Dane? Is he a descendant of uh, Arthur, uh, the Black Knight? Because he's worthy of Excalibur. I think so. Uh, yeah, so I, forget what, I don't know that. I didn't know the character, but I know that they uh, had like a, a reference to it somewhere in there. I so. was vaguely familiar with him from one Avengers arc that I read back in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, like, Excalibur is a real thing in, like, the yeah. Marvel universe, so, like, also yeah, that Eternal movie surprisingly good. wield the sword. But Ken Harrington. But, yep. He is charming. He is charming. Is it my turn? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. All right, I'm going to go with Vigo Mortensen. Oh. Oh, Vigo. Vigo. Vigo's a good mm, choice. Yeah. He also can play villains pretty well, because he's yeah, done he that can. quite a bit. I mean, he Every time... Uh, yeah. Yes, the prophecy. <laughs> oh my God! Anyway, um, and, and then of course was. you know, the, <laughs> and yeah, that's I love that scene. It's so good. He's in that movie for like five minutes, but it's amazing. Um, Fair. And then there's of course the Lord of the Rings. That's what most people are gonna know him from. Yeah, I think. as Aragorn. Yep, yep. So that's very it. Nice. It's not a bad choice at all. Yeah, 
He's a so, he's grizzled, attractive man. <laughs> yep. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. All right. Because oh, all right, interesting. He's suave, but he can play uh, real asshole real well. Like yeah, I'm thinking dead. of Watchmen because I actually don't watch The Walking Dead, but from what I understand, he's pretty villainous in that. Uh, yeah. But he can also yeah. pull people together and be that charismatic leader, like in The Losers, oh, the which losers. I love that movie. So yeah, okay. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, right. that's mine. Nice. All right. So go, it looks like a, a bunch of good options here for uh, someone to sit lazily on a throne with probably one leg kicked over a side and watch as people pour gold in front of them. I also do always love a good uh, a good story of like ruled for exactly 10 years, then mysteriously disappeared. And then all of his descendants 200 years ago, years after to the day, mysteriously disappeared. It's, I love a good, uh, good it's not mass unlike disappearance. It's a Baba Yaga thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, could be something fun. I look forward to the inevitable adventure path and returning back to Bravoy. Actually, you never go to Bravoy. Um, I was going to say, Bravoy is like mentioned in Kingmaker, but you never actually get like go there, do you? In the adventure path as minor spoiler, in the adventure path as written, you never leave the River Kingdoms. Yeah, that's so, what I no, thought. You never go into Bravoy. So even though like the capital is just on the edge of it. And if you play the CRPG, you start in Bravoy before yeah, you leave. Yeah, yeah. But somewhat different. Anyway. So I suppose we'll wrap things up there. Uh, Heather, where can people find the casting and are able to vote for that? On our Discord, there is a channel for it. I think it's just called Casting Powerful Folk because it's mm -hmm. not just, you know, deities. It's now legacy people and uh, also devils. Devils, yeah. Yeah. So I will have this up on a poll in our Discord on sometime the day it is posted. It all depends on what time I wake up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> there you go. Yeah, at Heather, if she doesn't get it put up on there uh, early enough. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. That's not necessary, but as funny These as it might be. post on Saturdays, and sometimes we're recording super late. So do you want this posted earlier in the morning, or do you want episodes, y'all? You have to pick. Yeah, you can't have both. One of these or another. <laughs> I, I feel like I hear a collective yell of, more episodes, more content. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably what they do. Thousand voices screamed out at once. Yep. And we're rewarded for doing so. Yep. And you can also <laughs> find lots of other cool stuff on the Discord, like, you it's know, true. games to play and play by post. And some, I think, virtual tabletop people organize yeah. their stuff there. And if Dalton's course, email earlier did not reinforce to you how great our Discord community is, yeah. mm -hmm. they are great people. And discussions yep, yep. about the shows are there. And yep. then there's the you could also comment on our subreddit. pet pictures. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep, subreddit yep. also. And Patreon. So, Technically, you can talk yeah. about it there. That yep. is true. So I suppose with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. So thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you for your continued support for all of our Patreon supporters that helped to make this possible. And thank you all for our Discord as well. And until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Bye, Pathfinders. Everyone clap for Masika. Oh, what? what? I'm not a fairy. <laughs> I like how you did it. I was just like clapping. That brings her back. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.